Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Bunk, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. I've got an old garage and uh, it, it's tilted a little bit, maybe at, at head level, it's tilted about two and a half inches one direction. And I've seen some videos and things about how to straighten it back up. And usually they're talking about putting, you know, you get it straightened up and then you nail or, or bolt strips of wood across to kind of hold it that way. Yeah. The only problem is in our, this garage, it was built probably in the 40s or 50s, uh, it's kind of open. So uh-huh. there's not a whole lot to, to, to bolt onto, maybe about eight feet and then another four feet i mean would that be enough to hold it there's not enough wall to put the put the straps on if you know what i'm saying no uh, you don't have a two by you don't have two by four framing around it no because it's it's kind of opens up into a little laundry room and then there's there's some at the other end that i could probably use i just it just seems like because uh, it's tilted at the, the 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 most noticeable tilting is at the garage door opening right at the overhead door yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know it's okay, I see what was... you're saying, that you don't have a lot of studs there to be putting stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Th- this I can help you out with. Okay. Uh, I've had to straighten out several of these things, and typically what I have found is the easiest is to use a come-along and run it crossways across the, the building from the side that is down in the direction where you want it uh-huh. Go up to the side that is leaning away where you don't want it, and attach it. Come along, about. Yeah, yeah. Pull it back over into place, and then on the inside, put plywood. Now, you know, a lot of times people want to use cross bracing on a wall that has solid two by four studs across it. But if you'll put plywood and cut it out for the opening of the overhead door, that will stiffen it up. And oh, typically, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and and okay, you just put that on the inside on what, even though it's only a couple feet of studs that you have, if you do yeah. it all the, on both sides of it, that will usually stiffen it up quite a bit, but also on the back wall as much as you can. And yeah. know, one sheet on each side wall usually helps tremendously. I, I know exactly. So you're basically, you, you put it up on the upper corners and on the side, and then you cut out where the garage door is. Correct. Okay, that makes sense. I hadn't thought of that. I okay, perfect. perfect. Yeah, because the and you use a good half inch thick plywood. Yeah. Don't don't use yeah. OSB board uh, because that'll have that that keeps it from being able to just rack again. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, that's uh that's very helpful. Thanks a lot. Got it. All right. Talk to you later. Michael, how are you today? Hey, doing good. How can I help you? I've got a question. I've got a slab foundation, and on one side of the house, down at the bottom, of course, uh, the concrete's kind of falling off. I've got about two feet of rebar exposed. I'm wondering, should I reconcrete that, or what can you do with it? Well, if you just put concrete back over it, it's just going to happen again pretty quick. Uh, the the okay. proper thing that you have to do is clean up that rebar, because typically the reason this happens is the rebar is too close to the surface moisture goes through the concrete the rebar starts to rust it expands and pops the concrete off 
So you got to clean it up well, put a rust inhibitor on the rebar, and then just skim coat it with a uh, mortar mix. And you'll end up skim coating the entire side, not just right where the rebar is, if you want it to look right. Because uh, if you just, you can do it just where the rebar is, but it'll look a lot better if you skim coat the whole thing. Okay, all right. Sounds good. But if, but if you don't do that rust inhibitor, okay. it's going to happen quickly again. Okay, what kind of rust inhibitor would you use? They actually make one that when you put it on, it turns black in color as it transforms the rust into a sealed product, and I cannot remember what it's called now. Uh, but truthfully, if you go into a uh, an automotive paint place, that's where you get the nice. best stuff. And uh, it says Treehouse Foundation. Jim, my son and I enjoy listening to your show. He requests the home improvement guy whenever we are driving on the weekends. I have a foundation problem you probably have never encountered. I built a big tree house in the hill country. The house is two stories, about 10 feet up, and rests on four tabs screwed into four trees. One of the trees is growing away from the tree house, causing the main support board to turn about 10 to 15 degrees. If the board turns much more, the house will come down. I cannot reposition the board due to the weight of the house. At this point, I think I need to transition to a pole pillar house so it doesn't come down. Do you have a contractor who can do that, or do you have any other ideas? Well, I don't have a contractor to recommend for something like that because that's, that is just something that's way, way off out of the ordinary, and I don't know what part of the hill country it's in. This is where it's nice if we can you know, call in, dialogue, and, and come up with a solution. But uh, I do have to question one thing. Just because the board's rotated, why we can't run another board? Uh, you may have to redo things a little bit, but if you'll drop down underneath the boards you have now and run a new board all the way across you now have something to attach that you can reach out and support the existing boards of the for the found for lack of a better term for the foundation of of the treehouse um and basically what i'm saying is granted the tree is growing away from the boards put a longer board underneath run it the same way you did the first time but you're just having to add another layer of boards below the ones you have now to support the floors you have now and be prepared that you're going to have to do this again later so what you might want to consider doing is when you run the new boards leave a little extra where you can actually undo the bolts and redo it or use a c-clamp around the tree i mean granted it'd be a big one but that way it can be opened up and adjusted later as the need arises. Because as the trees grow, you are 100% correct. This thing's going to continue to move and need to be redone from time to time. Uh, I'd be interested to know how long it took the first time before you had to redo it. So just a curiosity question on my part. I recently noted a small water stain on the ceiling of a bedroom around a corner 
of my ceiling vent. Not sure if need to pursue a leaking roof or moisture issue related to the vent. Background, I recently had a new AC unit installed. AC is the two-speed system. The local vendor was, well, I'm not going to say their name because I haven't checked them out. They also cleaned out the ductwork. I was told I might want to change out all the vents covers at some point. I don't want any more ceiling damage, but I do not I'm not sure how to pursue evaluating this issue. Well, the easy thing is to say, okay, if it's not getting wet when it's not raining, it'd be possibly the AC system. If it's getting wet when it's raining, then it's probably a leaking roof. And that's really the way you're going to have to look at it. You can go up in the attic, start tracing around those vents, and usually find where the source is coming from. I would almost guess it's going to be one of a few sources. Let's let's say it's not the roof. Because, like I said, you can, you can pretty much guess if it's the roof or not based on whether you're getting water when it's raining or not. So let's go with the assumption it's not the roof itself. Uh, the first thing it can be, when the new system was installed, if they didn't redo everything around the vents to where it's got insulation on it and it's protected from the heat, when the cold air blows through the vent and there's any metal that's exposed without insulation on it, it'll start to sweat. And that will produce a tremendous amount of moisture and cause the sheetrock to get wet and discolor. So if you're only seeing it right around the vent, that very well could be what's happening. Some of the other things that can cause it, if that's a vent that's really close to the AC system, the system can be picking up moisture with the fan and spitting it in there. Not very common, but it can happen. Uh, one of the other things it, it could be is, you know, again, depending on where it's at and where the vent is and all that, uh, if the primary pan isn't draining properly and you're draining into the secondary pan or even if it's coming out of the primary pan and because the unit's not sitting level you know you can get water that overspills over the pans and hits the ductwork and follows the ductwork down and and comes in that way so there's several things it can be the first thing to to start with though is exactly what's producing the moisture so you're typically going to have to be up in the attic to make that determination. Hello, Ted. Are we there? Uh, we are there now. Is it cool up there in Wisconsin? Oh, my gosh. Let me tell you. <laughs> now, today today it's gotten hot. It's all yeah. the way up to 84 degrees today. Yeah. But earlier in, the, earlier in the week, it was only getting up to around 80, and at night yeah. dropping down to 57, 57. Yeah. It was I've been sleeping yeah. in the camper with no air conditioning, no nothing. You just open cool. the windows. Right. Well, we're back in hell here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, I'll be know, back uh, pretty quick. Two, two, two prices on, uh, I mean, it, can you uh, pull up, hydraulically reset, sidewalk, and uh, is there a price for the Can it be done, or, or is there a price for that per square foot, linear foot, and to, or uh, driveways? Okay, to do what now? I want a I want a level uh, sidewalk. Okay. Or move, 
or remove and replace. And sure. I want to level a uh, driveway and or remove and replace. Okay. Typically, is there a, a linear foot cost, square footage cost? How do you, how do you price that? Well, like on, on remo- remove and replace, yeah, there's a ballpark figure for that. For injecting to pick it up, it depends on how far down it is yeah. and how big an area. Uh, and for that, we'd have to come out and do measurements, and, and uh, we'd be able to tell you. And when I say we, I'm talking about due west. Uh, yeah, we have a right. foam truck and a mud pump, so we can do it either way. Uh, I can tell you for remove and replace of concrete, typically I tell people budget nine fifty a square foot. $9.50 a square foot? Yep. Typically? Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good good deal to go by. Now, yeah. if, if, if I've got water pipes, I'm, I'm looking to buy some houses, old houses. And if okay. I've got water pipes that go in under the foundation or where, and, yeah. and we, talk about, we talk about boring them out and putting new sleeves in or whatever, sometimes does it make more sense to run? You know, it doesn't get freezing all the time down here. Does it ever make more sense to run the piping up into the attic and then back down into the... Well, most of the piping in the Houston area goes overhead. It doesn't go under the foundation. In uh, Dallas and San Antonio, yeah. those two two areas, it's in the foundation. But yeah. down in the Houston area, it's it's all overhead. Yeah. So, yeah, well, it definitely does. Yeah, well, I'm out in this beautiful place in San Leon, and, and I'm getting I'm trying to get talk, move back into regular old neighborhood, which I thought I got away from 30 years ago. But... <laughs> Anyway, all right, man. So, well, uh, and, and look, if, if really, if you're going to be looking at replacing pipes, yeah, take yeah. a look at the PEX. Uh, that's that's the easiest stuff to work with, the most durable. And yeah. you mentioned freezes. I know we don't get diddly for freezes in in uh, the Houston area, but every right. once in a blue moon we do. The nice thing about the PEX pipe compared to copper pipes, galvanized pipes, uh, PVC, any of them. If the water in it freezes, they're flexible. They'll expand. Okay. And then when it thaws out, they shrink back down, so you don't end up having to do a bunch of plumbing repairs. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Than, okay, okay. You you give me plenty to think about. Appreciate okay, it. Thank okay. you. Take care, Ted. Have fun. Have fun. Bye bye. Oh, I've been having a blast. I got to tell you. Just a reminder: it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. You know, this is the time of year that everybody starts seeing movement in their foundations. And if you're seeing movement, we included it in our newsletter that you can sign up for on our website. And we included it on our website. There's a video of how to do it yourself, irrigate your foundation. Now, Duess obviously can put in a professionally installed system and uh, you know, take care of it that way. But and I had a, a person call, or actually send an email in the Dallas show earlier today asking about drip irrigation systems versus using soaker hoses. A do-it-yourself system is typically done with the soaker hoses just because it's easy to do. But when you have it professionally installed, like when Due West installs them, we actually use the drip irrigation systems they work extremely well same as with the soaker hoses you need to be using it year-round and keep it 15 inches or so oh 
12 to 18 inches away from the foundation. You don't want it right up against the foundation, but absolutely they can be used. But if you've been thinking you needed to water your foundation, you're not sure how to do it, go to our website, thipro.com, and it'll show you how to do it there. So let's jump straight back into our calls. We're going to League City. Tony, how can I help you? Hey, Jim. Uh, got First off, first question, a three-ton system, air-conditioning system. i got a 2025 return on it. That's a little too small, correct? Sounds like it. Okay. So I'm going to add a return grill. Now, I, due to the, I've got a spare piece of flex, so I'm limited to how far I can. I've got 13 foot of flex. I'm going to put the new 12 by 12 return grill about 10 to 12 feet away from the main supply or return. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm just wondering now. This isn't another room with the door stays closed most of the time. Is it? You think it's okay being that distance from the main return? Oh yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, You know, in in custom jobs, you put a return like that in every room. Oh okay. And uh, and that that really helps balance out the system. And like you just mentioned, you keep that door closed a lot. You're going to find a a world of difference in that room when you put that return air in there yeah the teenager stays in there playing video games with the door closed so it's oh like don't put yeah. it don't waste it on him put it put it someplace <laughs> else he needs to get out and go do do, do something in the yard I've, I've tried sweating him out for years now and it's not working so <laughs> okay I, I figure i'll just make it a little more comfortable for him so i just want to make sure because it's so close to the other return air that, that would be yep. fine yeah it should be fine that is thank you sir I appreciate it yes sir bye-bye Bye. let's head to brookshire and is it Lou? Yes, Lou. How are you doing? Doing well. Good afternoon. See, I bought a metal building in Waller Counter. It's an aircraft hangar, and it's got a one-bedroom apartment on the ground floor. And I want to put a second story on the apartment so it's all inside the metal building. What type of insulation would you recommend for the roof and the, and the walls for that living space? Well, are, are you going to insulate the rest of the building or just the living space? Just the living space. Okay. And then, uh, well, you know, typically when it's inside a hangar like that, you're not dealing, or, or a metal building that way, you're not dealing with the same type of heat issue as you are outside. So you've really got a choice to deal with here. One is you could go with the fiberglass, and typically in a building like that, you've got thicker space than you do with just a normal 2x4 construction. Yeah. Do you have 2x4 construction in here, or are they going to... Um, I was going to do conventional 2x4 walls inside of the girts, so yeah, okay. there's a lot of space. To yep. Into the girts, basically. Yeah, and, and so there's really not a big reason to go with the fiber or the foam type insulation because it costs so much more because you've got all the space in the world to put fiberglass with the exception of one thing if you want to use the foam because you're going to be doing work out in that shop that you want to sound deaden into the the living part of it then i would recommend foam because it really does a great job of killing the sound but other than that, I would go with fiberglass just because of sheer cost and the fact that you've got the space available to put as much R value as you want. Okay. What were, if I did with foam, would it be closed cell or open cell? Any recommendations? 
uh, in the, in a situation like you're dealing there, open cell would be just fine. Okay. Closed cell is I, I typically recommend closed cell if you're doing it on a roof or something where it may get wet because it won't absorb water. But you're enclosed in an, an enclosed environment, so the the closed cell will be just fine. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay, I'm in Oshkosh. So what are you going to be using the hangar for? Well, I oh you're at the air show. Um, I'm at the air show. Yeah. I didn't make it this year, but yeah, I've I've, I've got airplanes in there. I live at my little airport. Ah, now I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, good luck well, with that. What, what do you fly? I've got a Cessna 140, 1947. Oh, nice, nice little plane. And, and a and a Comanche 250. Okay. Well, the Comanche gets you where you're going then. Yeah. <laughs> You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.